Thanks for choosing a 3CR podcast. Throughout June 2021, we're running our annual Radiothon when we ask you, the listener, to make a donation so that we can continue to make great radio. Your donation will help keep us community-owned and community-controlled. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash donate. And with that done, please enjoy your podcast. Good afternoon, listeners. This is the DOGS program. The Australian Council for Defence of Government Schools are here every Saturday at this time. And we thank you very much for allowing us into your kitchen or living room or wherever you are listening to us, because we are here to promote and to defend public education. Education that is public and purpose and outcome. And above all, it's accessible to all children. Now, we want to talk today a little bit about this accessibility business because it can possibly, cannot possibly be accessible to all children unless it is genuinely free. And today we're going to talk about how free is public education in Victoria. That is our press release 904 which you will find at www.adogs.info. Because in the last week, or in the last few months actually, we have found that state school principals are banned from pressing parents to fund what have become essentials for the learning of their children. And we've also discovered that public schools get 3.5 billion less than original constant plan intended. And we've also found that the private schools are starting to wonder whether or not they should put their fees down because parents coming through COVID can't afford to pay. Now, you would have thought that if the government could waste billions and billions on JobKeeper for companies that are making huge profits out of COVID, that they could manage to put a few more billion into our public schools so that our children's parents wouldn't have to fork out the money for essential learning. But that is what we would like to talk about today. However, there there is some good news because the schoolmaster has been abroad and school, school mistresses have been abroad in Victoria doing great things for our children. And there's some good news for teachers too. And Maddie, of course, has got her great state school. So let's get on with it, shall we? Press release 904, and here is Dale to read the introduction. Thank you, Jean. Press release 904. How free is public education in Victoria? Public education is allegedly free, secular and compulsory. In fact, due to the erosion of basic principles and penny-pinching governments, it is none of these things. Perhaps the most basic principle, however, is that it should be free. Otherwise, there would never be any hope of equality of opportunity for children or social and economic fairness in the society in which they are educated. The dogs have consistently questioned the public funding of private education and the consequent underfunding of the public sector. But the other side of this coin is the burden placed upon public school parents who pay triple taxation, taxation for both public and private schools, and then taxing themselves for the shortfalls in the public education itself. The level of unfairness confronting parents and children in in Victorian public schools, as well as the hypocrisy of the state Labor government, has been thrown into the spotlight in recent months with two reports by Adam Carey in The Age. One on 
March the 15th, 2021, we discovered that Victorian public school parents spent more than $400 million last year in parent payments on education essentials, sparking protests that the money is being used to compensate for the chronic underfunding of public schools. And two, the second article was on the on September 6, 2021, when we discovered that Victorian state schools have been banned from pressing parents to make voluntary payments on curriculum essentials, such as stationery, devices, camps and excursions, in a crackdown principals fear will force them to make deep cuts to their educational programs. Dobbs suggests that instead of hounding principals to try to make ends meet in their cash-strapped schools, the state government should redirect all state aid to private schools, back into public schools, which are their primary responsibility. And I'll pass over to Maddie to hear a little bit more about what Victorian state school parents are expected to pay. Thank you so much, Dale. Yes, um, Victorian state school families spent more than $400 million last year in parent payments on education essentials which sparked protests that the money is being used to compensate for the chronic underfunding of public schools. The record figure, $400.1 million to be exact, for the 2019-20 financial year, equates to $619 in parental payments per child per annum, based on uh, Department of Education and Training data, showing there were just over 646 100,000 children enrolled in Victorian state schools last year. Victorians consistently pay more in parent payments for public schooling than any other state or territory. Australian Curriculum Assessment and Reporting Authority data has showed that. And um, total parent payments to Victorian state schools have risen by $160 million or 66% since 2009. The payments cover essential learning items students keep, such as books and stationery and curricular activities such as camps, excursions, incursions and sports. And the figure also includes revenue from canteens and uniform shops, charges for out-of-school hours care programs and voluntary financial contributions. The Department of Education and Training revealed the growing cost to parents in response to a parliamentary question on notice by Victorian Greens MP and education spokesman, Sam Hibbins. Mr. Hibbins said Australia had moved a very long way now from what should be a free public education. It's due to underfunding of public schools that more and more costs are being shifted onto parents and sending your child to what should be a free public school is now costing parents a significant amount, he said. Victorian state schools have discretion to set their own parent payment levels with no caps on what they can request but cannot deny a student access to the curriculum if a family cannot or will not pay. These are voluntary contributions. Mm. That's it. The principle of free education is still there but Mm. these are voluntary, which can become almost involuntary, contributions by parents. Kind of sounds like it's being forced upon them and it's not their fault. It's not the school's fault. It is the government's fault. Yes. Gail McCarty, Executive Officer of Parents Victoria, which advocates for state school families, said parent payments were often informally set according to a school community's capacity to contribute, with advantaged schools generally setting higher payments than disadvantaged schools. For example, Clifton Hill Primary School, which is the top 1% of socio-educationally advantaged schools in the country, received $1,167 per student in fees, charges and parent payments in 2018. And that is data from the My School website. In the same year, Gowrie Street Primary School in Shepparton, which is the bottom 4%, received $287 per student. It shouldn't be about their capacity to pay. Miss McCarty said, it should be about how they can give children a quality education to meet their potential without that pressure of having capacity to pay. Correct. And um, the only way to get around the whole problem 
of free education is to make it illegal yes. to charge fees in any school that receives public money and for enough public money to be given to that school to resource a proper learning activity for every child. Absolutely. But uh, we'll have a bit of a break there and then we'll come back. And Sorrel is going to tell us about the latest development in this very sad and sorry time. Well, brothers and sisters, what a show of strength we've got here today. Local issues. So I'm here at the school, kids strike for climate action. Live coverage. Join the, the spirit of this gathering here today at IMARC. Your voices. So give us a bit of a lowdown about what's happening. There's about 200, 200 people here at the moment. Community struggles. We're now in front of the uh, Tundaminawaya Mōbōhina Monument. I'd like to thank Community Radio 3CR, who for the last decade has been broadcasting here. Feed Radical Radio, your membership is vital. A few hundred people about to pass us right now. Lots of young people standing up for their future. Subscribe today. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 9419 8377. Well, here we are back on the Dogs Program. 3CR, 855 on the AM dial. And we're talking about free education, public education, that in fact is not very free at all. It's pretty good if you're in an area, if your child goes to a public school in an area which have got well-heeled parents around them. But it's not so good if they are in an area where people who work very hard, still don't bring home a big pay packet. In fact, it's very unfair. So when uh, the state government came up with the idea that um, teachers and principals couldn't put any pressure on parents to pay what are virtually voluntary contributions to public education, uh, the state government decided to ban that practice. But Sorrel will tell us more about it. Over to you, Sorrel. Thanks, Jean. So state schools have been banned from pressing parents to fund learning essentials. Victorian state schools have been banned from pressing parents to make voluntary payments on curriculum essentials, such as stationary devices, camps and excursions. In a crackdown, principals fear will force them to make deep cuts to their educational programs. Canberra camps, museum visits, sports carnivals and subscriptions to popular educational software would all be at risk from the loss of a critical source of funding, principals say. The State Education Department said it was strengthening the rules after it found some schools had breached core principles of the policy regarding voluntary financial contributions and put undue pressure on parents to chip in. State schools are permitted to ask parents to contribute to a long list of essential and non-essential materials and activities, ranging from library books and digital devices the school owns to student well-being programs and upgrades to towns and buildings. But the strengthened policy compels schools to inform parents that all such payments are voluntary and forbids them from invoicing families or implying that payment is compulsory. Australian Principals Federation Acting President Tina King said state schools relied on voluntary payments to buy essentials that they could not afford with their limited government funding. Tina King, Acting President of the Australian Principals Federation, says the policy risks driving more students into the private school system. Victorian state schools are the lowest funded in the country, with the per-student funding about 7% below the national average. Voluntary payment payment voluntary parent payments rose to a record 400 million last year. Many innovative and valued programs are only able to be offered in many schools if parents continue to pay for them, Ms. King said. In some schools, parental contributions make up half the expenditure on resources. Schools were briefed on the policy last week and told it will take effect from the start of 2022 
irrespective of budgetary plans schools have made or communications they have sent out to families this year. The department will closely monitor the financial impacts of the clarified and strengthened policy on all schools and will continue to examine funding arrangements. Principals were told on September 1st. So they're more interested in in, um, making sure and policing our principals than they are in making sure that the uh, schools are properly funded. And Mm. this is just one one further um, pressure that is actually put upon our principals and teachers, not to mention our parents and students. Um, It's really a very sad and sorry situation, isn't it? Quite shocking. Uh, Schools must not prevent any student from accessing curriculum essentials or joining essential excursions if their parents do not make a voluntary contribution. They must cover the shortfall out of their own budgets. Well, they better give them a decent budget then. Yeah, otherwise how are they going to do it? That's right. Yeah. Jason Walker, principal of Mont Albert Primary in Melbourne's East, said if fewer parents paid, schools would face a choice between withdrawing some of the curricular programs and materials or raising funding from elsewhere in the budget. We use voluntary payments on our instrumental music program, lunchtime clubs, excursions and camps, Mr Walker said. If you apply this parent payment policy where we haven't got the ability to charge on a user pays basis, I don't know how schools are going to be able to provide these opportunities. Keith Matheson, a parent and member of the school council at Mount Beauty Primary School in the state's northeast, said the rural school feared it might have to cancel its year six Canberra camp next year if the policy results in lost revenue. We're remote, so everything that is city-based involves a bus trip. So prices add up pretty quickly, Mr Matheson said. Something like the Canberra camp is $350 a head that I guess would need to be raised elsewhere because there is zero slack in the budget. Ms King said the policy risks driving more students into the private school system if state schools have to revert to a more bare-bones curriculum. A 2015 Victorian Auditor General's report on school payments found that they had evolved from supporting free instruction in government schools to being essential in its provision. The report found the department's checks and balances on payments were inadequate. The department told schools this month this was a key reason for its review on voluntary payment policies. A spokesperson for the education department said the guidelines had been refreshed to give schools and families clarity and transparency about payments. Schools can continue to seek voluntary financial contributions towards classroom materials, educational programs and operating expenses and invite parents to buy educational items on a user pays basis, the spokesman said. Well, they really better get their act together. Either they fund the schools properly or, and, or else um, they forget about this whole user pays basis. Uh, our public schools are public schools. They should be open to every child and they shouldn't depend upon parents' ability to pay. And these um, programs, music programs particularly, should not be extras. They should be essential parts of the curriculum. Our federal government is more interested in imposing chaplaincies on our schools and making religious education compulsory. But um, what about reading, writing, arithmetic and uh, music and art and all of the other very important things, science, and even uh, letting our children see how the rest of the world lives and taking them on excursions? Um, It's a very sad thing that we who pay taxes, can't see our taxes go to a good and fulfilling public education system. Well, the dogs aren't the only ones that are outraged by this situation. There were some very trenchant comments made upon the article in The Age, and Dale is going to tell us what some of them were. Over to you, Dale. Thank you, Jean. Yes, Catherine says, I wonder if this is a deliberate move to push students off to the private education system. Uh, Scribbler says, what has Dan been doing? Why are Victorian schools so poorly funded relative to other states? Maybe because Dan is guaranteed re-election regardless of performance. Moomin Lu says, I'm sure they hate asking money from parents that should have been provided by the government in the first place, but what can they do? And then Zah says, 
I'm all for free education or state funded as the case may be. But the state of Victoria simply does not fund schools adequately. For example, the federal government funds the Catholic and independent school sector, but Victoria also provides an additional 25% of what they fund to a government student to these other jurisdictions. It means that state school students are seeing hundreds of millions being sent to an already well-funded independent and Catholic system, whilst their government provides the lowest funding in the country to them. This was introduced by BRACs, not a Liberal Premier, a Labor Premier. They have actively taken from state schools and are squeezing until there is nothing left. I'd expect it from the Libs, but not a leader from the left. They don't mind wasting billions on construction cost blowouts, though. The state has pushed costs such as maintenance inspections, assessment software needs, learning management systems, and more onto government schools, already stretching their budgets. Most schools are innovative and find ways to make ends meet, but I know my local school is looking at slashing English, maths, science, PE and arts budgets and they still don't know how they'll make ends meet. The DET are expecting schools to fund students on camps, so one family might pay voluntarily and find themselves funding the family next door so that the school can cover costs. That's not right. The state government can end parent payments if they want, but they have to fund public schools to cover the shortfall. They can easily find the money by stopping the inexplicable siphoning of money from state schools to independent and Catholic schools. Let the feds deal with those schools as it's their responsibility. Well, it's nobody's responsibility. It's the responsibility of the independent and Catholic sector and the taxpayers should not be asked to pay for them. And at least that 25% given by the state government should be brought straight back as soon as possible. That is the dog's position. So we'll have a bit of a break and we'll find out how, in fact, the public schools are also being short-funded all around the country. Kafirs are Palestinian scarves and they're a symbol of support for justice for the Palestinian people. Buying one will support the last remaining factory in Hebron that makes kafirs, and all proceeds from the sales support projects in Palestine, especially Gaza, as well as local solidarity organisations. From the traditional black and white kafir to an array of modern designs, all scarves are just $30 each. Explore the range and order online or drop by 3CR during business hours. Wear your support for the rights of Palestinians. Go to kafias.org.au. That's K-U-F-I-Y-A-S.org.au. A 3CR supporter. Well, here we are once again on the Dogs Program and we hope that you're still with us because Maddie's going to tell us about an article written by Jordan Baker on September the 4th. Sleight of hand, public schools get $3.5 billion less than the original Gonski plan intended. Remember Gonski back in 2011? Uh, but Gillard put it off, didn't she? She put off the big money until about 2018-19 and it never came through to the public schools. Certainly came through and is keeping coming through to the private schools but not the public schools. Over to you, Maddie. Thank you so much, Jean. Yes, a financial sleight of hand in state-federal funding deals means New South Wales is spending $600 million less per year on public schools than intended under the original Gonski plan and will save $3.5 billion over nine years. Sorry, five years. New figures show state governments will pocket more than $11 billion from 2019 until 2023 due to a change to the deal that allowed them to count costs towards their public school funding obligations that had previously been considered ineligible, such as building depreciation and regulatory authorities. 
Federal Labor said it would crack down on the loophole if it wins government, and the New South Wales Teachers Federation wants the money restored as it campaigns for higher salaries and better working conditions ahead of wage negotiations later this year. And they're very sensible to do that because there's a a grave shortage of teachers, particularly in New South Wales, but it's going to come to to Victoria too. Mm -hmm. Um, And people are just not prepared to do the job for the kind of money that's on offer. Uh, So uh, I think that uh, governments are going to have to think about how much they put into public education if they're going to actually have uh, people in front of classrooms, in front of classes, in classrooms in this country. That's it. But, um, yes, there you are. Yeah. However, um, Education Minister Sarah Mitchell said functional classrooms and a strong curriculum were essential to education, and New South Wales schools were funded at record levels. Rubbish. Yes, it is. Uh, she said parents and students see this commitment and the feedback I receive is not on the level of funding but how that money is being used. Rubbish. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When the Gonski model was first developed, only money that directly contributed to learning, such as teacher salaries and electricity for schools, was to be counted towards the schooling resource standard which was considered the amount required to ensure at least 80% of students met minimum standards. However, during heated negotiations in 2018, the federal government offered to let the states use the money they already spent on things that were not directly linked to learning to account for up to 4% of their Gonski funding targets. Only the ACT turned down the deal. New South Wales is counting depreciation and funding for the New South Wales Education Standards Authority. Federal government figures obtained from Senate estimate hearings show that the deal has saved New South Wales $600 million this year, which will grow to $66.3 million in 2021. Private schools are due to be funded at 100% of the SRS by 2023, while public schools are due to reach 95% in 2027. The state's share of public school costs is 80%, with an ambition, well, the ambition is to reach 75% by 2027. This year, South Wales already reached 71.3%. Um, the, um, the shortfalls not being made up in public mm. education by the uh, federal government, and mm. that's a problem. Well, meanwhile, you'll find um, on the Twitter sphere some very interesting facts and figures about what's going on in the private sector up there in Sydney. The New South Wales Teachers Federation, of course, is much more, um, shall I say, bolshy than the Teachers Federation in Victoria. <laughs> so uh, on their Twitter sphere, I find out that New South Wales is spending $600 million less, which we've just heard about. And public schools are also denied access to a 1.9 bill federal private school capital funding leading to this. Monte St. Angelo Mercy College, one of the best bathrooms uh, in, the, in the country. There's a wonderful <laughs> here of a bathroom in, in, a, in a Catholic uh, nun uh, school. Newington College has got eight tennis, six basketball, and three volleyball courts, 17 wickets, three rugby fields, boat shed, fencing and tennis facility, gym and Olympic pool. Newington Public has got no access to federal capital grants, and all it's got is demountables. So um, you'll also find that the Concord High School teachers walked off the job earlier this year because they can't cover the classes. In fact, there's a large number of schools in New South Wales where the teachers have just walked off because there are not enough teachers in the school to cover the classes. And last year, two kilometres down the road, Rosebank College got two million from Morrison for new classrooms. Uh, We find also that uh, Scott's College got, listen to this, a hypoxic chamber 
that can simulate training at up to 3,000 metres above sea level. How do you like that? It's shocking when you consider that public schools are continuing to cut resources that go to humanities subjects, which, as we see during the pandemic, are so critical in developing those critical thinking abilities to allow students to navigate the swathes of information that is thrown at them via the internet. So without those critical analytic skills, Mm. society at large will lose in the end. Yeah. Yeah. Don't worry, I've got something even better here. Scott's also penned a $29 elaborate plan to do up their library in Scottish baronial architecture style. Oh, tough too. They only had 106 million revenue. That's income in 2020. And almost 10 million in Commonwealth and state funding. And King's School in Parramatta, this is even better. They suspended Dick Smith's helicopter from the ceiling of its new innovation building. Excuse me. I went to a public school and uh, we didn't have a gym. Our gym was in a portable. Yep, same. It really lets students from low socioeconomic status backgrounds know just how much their government thinks of them or how little their government cares for their education. Well, of course, the, um, they've got all this money to burn, but... Um, not every all parents can afford to send their children to these schools. Yeah. And after COVID, a lot of these business people who like to think that they're wealthy are actually in trouble in spite of JobKeeper and yep. a few other things as well. Well, yes, families who probably were or thought they were wealthy before COVID hit us uh, have some of them lost their businesses uh, or they can't depend upon uh, grandpa and grandma's bank to pay the fees, the high fees in private schools. So the private schools um, have got a few things to think about if they want to retain their pupil share of the Australian population, Australian student population. So we'll have a bit of a break and Sol is going to tell us where the private schools are at on this matter. <coughs> Looking for an easy way to keep up with your annual 3CR subscription? You can now set up an annual debit from your bank account or credit card and once a year your payment will be automatically deducted. You can cancel at any time and you'll get a reminder each year before payment. Be a constant supporter of Melbourne's precious independent community radio station and set up a recurring payment today. Just go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe. Well, you're still listening to the, to the Dogs Program and before the break, of course, we were discovering how the children of uh, the other half uh, sometimes live and the experiences they have when they go to school. Um, perhaps when they, if they get to university, uh, they'll be disappointed in the, uh, the actual um, resources that they have available to them when they can have, what was it, hypoxic uh, swimming pools? And, <laughs> yeah. uh, helicopters in a special place? Things, things <laughs> Coming mm. down from the ceiling, I mean, yes. <laughs> but those of us who have experienced and, and uh, are for public education, this is certainly the way the upper half lives. But uh, private schools and the people who think that they are wealthy enough to send their children to them have got a few problems. Let's hear about it from Sol. Thank you, Jean. So private schools have been weighing fee changes as remote learning drags on. Some Victorian private schools are cutting fees as students prepare to do seven weeks of remote learning this term and possibly more in term four. 
Kilbington Grammar School, a co-educational school in Ormond, and Goulburn Valley School Grammar School in the COVID-hit regional centre of Shepparton have informed families that they will cut prices. But retired principal Phil DeYoung said widespread discounts were unlikely because many term four fees had already been issued, and he instead predicted no or low fee increases for 2022. Is remote learning costing schools less to do? The answer to that would be yes, said Mr. DeYoung, a former principal of Trinity Trinity Grammar and Carey Grammar. IT costs would be up, but their other costs, like buses, cleaning and camps, would be significantly down. Their expenses are lower, so should they be rebating some of that to parents? That's up to schools, Mr. DeYoung said. While many parents agitated for fee cuts during Victoria's long 2020 lockdown, there was an element of resignation this time, and parents were also more satisfied with the quality of home learning. What I'm seeing is schools are working their butts off to keep remote learning going, and I think parents are accepting that schools are doing it hard too, he said. Education consultant Paul O'Shanahassi said many parents had questioned why they were not receiving discounts this term, giving students were missing key activities such as sport and music. Yes, that's right, because we've been hearing how it's all these special things that you pay for at private mm. schools and that public can... schools should not be asking parents to pay for and they're not essentials at public schools. Mm. Interesting, isn't it? Mm. And parents are saying, well, we're not getting them, so why should we pay for them? Mm. Fascinating. It's a good point. Those who have already paid the fees have questioned why a credit couldn't be facilitated for term one of next year, he said. Many Victorian private schools cut or deferred fees during Victoria's COVID-19 crisis of 2020 and either froze or only slightly increased fees for this year. Those that lost 30% or more of their revenue were also granted the federal government's wage subsidy scheme, JobKeeper. Mr DeYoung expects Victoria's non-government schools which educate educate 36% of the state's 1 million students to again freeze or marginally increase annual fees. I would be expecting fee increases to be at the lower end of the scale, he said. Michelle Green, Chief Executive of Independent Schools Victoria, said schools had taken a range of actions to retain students during the pandemic, including fee discounts and deferrals. Measures vary widely depending on the circumstances of individual schools and parents, she said. Ms Green said most schools were starting to look at their budgets for next year and it was not yet clear how the pandemic was affecting parents' capacity to pay. The Catholic Education Commission of Victoria has encouraged families experiencing difficulties with fees to approach their school. We don't want to see any child missed out on a Catholic education because of their family's financial circumstances said Executive Director Jim Miles. Kilvington flagged an interim fee reduction last Wednesday when Premier Daniel Andrews said there would be no return to -to face-to-face learning for Melbourne schools in Term 3 as he extended lockdown restrictions. Term 4 starts for most schools on October 4th. Goulburn Valley Grammar School has also given families an immediate $500 rebate per student. This is They're a bit desperate, aren't they? Yeah. They're a bit desperate up that way. This is to advise that the board has approved a fees rebate of $500 per student in 2021, and this will be applied to your school fees account today, it told parents last week. Some Victorian students have missed close to 150 days of face-to-face learning during the state's six periods of remote learning since March 2020. Under the current restrictions, schools and early learning centres remain closed to all but vulnerable children and the children of essential workers. Mr Andrews said he would detail plans for Term 4 and regional schools this week. An analysis of more than 100 non-government schools in Victoria found that they increased fees for local Year 12 students by an average of 0.4% for 2021. This was the lowest fee rise across the country and well below the national average rise of 1.05%. So it sounds to me, reading between the lines, as if quite a few um, 
private schools in Victoria are revising their business plans, which are pretty well much on the edge. Uh, and uh, there could well be an influx of uh, students into public schools, secondary schools next year. Uh, very interesting. So we'll have a bit of a break and we'll come back with some good news stories. We've got a common enemy. The same government that locks up these refugees just behind us here at the Park Hotel is the same government that's going for our rights, trying to attack the very limited gains that casuals have. And so when union activists take up the cause of refugees amongst their fellow workers, it's not an act of charity. It's about building workers' united self-defence mechanism, understanding that we're all part of the same battle. Subscribe to 3CR in 2021. Feed Radical Radio. Subscribe today. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 94198377. Well, you're still listening to the Dogs Program and we're going to be a little bit more positive for the rest of this hour. Um, and Dale is going to tell us Time for some good news for teachers, which is an article by Stephen Colber uh, on September the 5th. Over to you, Dale. Thank you, Jean. Yes, Stephen Colbert said uh, that as a teacher and a parent, education news for me is rarely good. We teachers, parents, uh, use news to shape our understanding of the education system. But recent research has found that teachers are demoralised by endless negative news coverage of teachers and teaching, with the 200 parents surveyed also noting the negative tone of education reporting. With many teachers noting news avoidance as a strategy to counter this demoralisation. The early indicators from this year's NAPLAN results show that Victoria has led the nation across all test areas. Despite our extended lockdowns, we must emphasise that this is a superb result for our teaching workforce in Victoria. These results are timely as the Australian Education Union and the Department of Education are negotiating the new enterprise bargaining agreement for Victorian education workers. Yet, when there is positive education news, such as this, it is often quickly overlooked or minimised. Just like Australia's top 10 ranked performance in maths and science on the TIMSS assessment of December last year, which appeared and then disappeared quickly with minimal discussion. While these early NAPLAN results offer more questions than they answer, and with academics wary to jump to conclusions, it's timely to consider the good news here. As a teacher who's participated in the 139 and counting days of remote learning, I can proffer some answers that, are la that large scale testing cannot. Here's what we can say. Remote teaching and learning is difficult. The pivot has been swift and for most, the learning curve steep. We can also safely say that this method of teaching will be with us into the future as an unavoidable necessity. Much like the recent erroneous comments of our own Prime Minister, this is actually something we must learn to live with. We know a narrative of learning loss is not helpful for the improvement and rebuilding processes necessary to right the ship of Australian education. These two sets of results suggest that teaching excellence exists within Victoria and Australia, even under the most trying of circumstances. More expert teachers in schools, including the tutoring program, the ongoing work of the Middle Years Literacy and Numeracy Support Initiative, professional practice days and other injections of money, which have not surprisingly yielded results. As ever, Funding that is used to empower teachers and trusts our professional expertise yields positive results. Schools, that is teachers and education support workers, have bent over backwards to keep students engaged, reconnect with those who've gone missing and continued to provide a world-class education for all students. Here's what we must say. Fair pay, 
for the best in Australia. Victorian teachers have gone above and beyond at great personal cost to put on a brave face and keep learning occurring. We must pay this effort in kind. I think there are so many parents who have, in the last 12 months, started to realise just what teachers do do and how skillful they are in uh, teaching our children such a wide variety of uh, parts of the curriculum. I know that my grandson has had the most excellent teaching online at home and uh, with the support of his parents, he doesn't seem to have um, suffered too much at all. But there are lots and lots of children in disadvantaged homes that have not done so well and there is going to be a price, a long-term price to pay in this country. And to pull the situation back, we are going to need our skilled teaching force and we are also going to need to build it up and pay for it, pay for it, pay for it. And that's what our taxes are for. And there are many of us who will be prepared to pay more taxes if we were only assured that it would go to the right place. But unfortunately, we are losing faith in our current governments to do just that. But we'll have a bit of a break and there's even better good news story from Maddie. Teachers have had their qualifications, their pay, their pensions and their working conditions attacked relentlessly by this government. I'm a proud product of a government funded primary school education and of a government funded secondary school education. Australia is one of the richest and luckiest countries in the world and there's no reason whatsoever why we can't have the very best public schools in the world. It's still not good enough that kids with disability miss out. You're listening to The Dogs, the defence of government schools on 3CR. Well, you're still listening to The Dogs program and that is going to tell us about a very skillful teacher and even more skillful teacher, uh, students out there in Ringwood. Over to you, Maddie. Thank you so much, Jean. Yes, it's not lockdowns, but the periods in between that have proved trickiest for Janine Perro, the director of music at Ringwood Secondary College. Music is a big deal at the large government school in Melbourne's east. Ms. Perro heads a music program that involves 330 children playing in 16 jazz and classical ensembles. When Melbourne entered its second lockdown last year, Ms. Perro feared it might spell the end for the school's ensembles, which require students to commit a significant amount of their free time. She went online to see what schools in the US and Britain were doing to keep their music programs going. The picture wasn't encouraging with plenty of advice to concentrate on teaching online and let ensembles go until students could return. For us, it wasn't a choice because we are an ensemble-driven program, Ms. Perro says. Ringwood students have met on Microsoft Teams to play together in lockdown. It's not slick, but it's effective in keeping the program going, she says. Ringwood students rehearse together online. It was a matter of keeping the kids engaged Otherwise, you come back and you don't have a program. It's working okay online. If anything, our kids have really knuckled down and they're having to take a lot of responsibility for their playing, and that's a good thing, not a bad thing. That's what that's what Ms. Perro said. Uh, but playing when schools were open brought the new challenge of complying with health authorities' guidelines to avoid the spread of COVID-19 via aerosol generation. Last year, when Melbourne emerged from its 112-day lockdown, education authorities banned singing, brass and woodwind on school grounds during protests from music teachers. This year, the ban was lifted and replaced with detailed guidelines on density limits, room ventilation and instrument hygiene that make schools go to great lengths to play music. 
one of Ringwood Secondary College's 16 ensembles rehearsing on the school oval <laughs> earlier this year. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Instruments have been categorised as high risk, uh, which are trumpet, bass, trombone and oboe. Intermediate risk is bassoon, piccolo, flute and French horn. And low risk is the tuba. In this is very interesting. This is how much, how, how much breath you make, or how much breath comes out. Yeah, how how much much it comes the instrument. <laughs> uh, in Ringwood's case, this meant splitting its ensembles into separate rooms, putting some students indoors and others outdoors, with some even streaming remotely. If anything, it made the second lockdown seem easy, Ms. Perro says. It's also meant keeping irregular hours. For Year 11 student and ensemble percussionist, Matthew Nolan, keeping up with his music in lockdown has meant forsaking one of the few benefits of remote learning, a midweek sleep in. <laughs> it's a bit brutal, he says. I have to get up at 6.30 and be there at 7.15 on the dot. <laughs> there were days when the effort didn't seem worth it. I think a lot of people have probably had to dig deep a little bit sometimes you've had a bit of a rough patch and maybe lose a bit of motivation Matthew says but I think overall everyone just pushed through and knew it was going to get be better than just giving up um, and the students managed to come together once once this year for a winter concert when the state was free of community transmission now in lockdown again they are clinging to the hope of going on a scheduled band tour before the year is done Viv McPherson, a parent at Ringwood and a music teacher at Roeville Secondary College, says the school's persistence with its music program has preserved a critical point of connection for some students. For many of them, it's the reason they turn up to school. So it's essential to keep it going for their well-being and for their literacy and numeracy, she says. Isn't well, isn't that wonderful? Yeah. Uh, necessity being the mother of invention. Aren't some of our, our teachers clever and persistent around some of our students wonderful yeah. the way even though it was seemed impossible they still did it they made music together so yeah um, it's the passion drive yes so let's hear about our great state school every week on the doctor program we have a special segment to show a different state school is a great school. State schools are great schools. School of the week. State school. School of the school. week. Great state schools. State, state schools. schools. School are of the week. Schools. School for the week here on the Dogs Program. And this week's great state school is Ringwood Secondary College which we were just talking about, but I would love to tell you a little bit more about Ringwood Secondary College. Ringwood Secondary College is located in the gateway to the outer eastern suburbs of Melbourne. It's a school of approximately 1,600 students from years 7 to 12, drawn from more than 50 primary schools, including from out of the local area. Enrolments have steadily increased and there is strong demand for entry at all year levels. There are over 110 teaching staff at the college, led by a team of four principals and 11 teachers. The college has three subschools, junior, middle and senior, each with their own leader who heads a team of house coordinators and bounce tutors. The curriculum is managed by teaching and learning leaders and of learning areas. And the college attracts a strong level of parent participation. Parents are active members of the school council and its committees. They participate on one of the five parent support groups and they also regularly contribute to working bees. Ringwood Secondary College fosters a learning community that caters for the unique academic, social and emotional needs of all of its members. And that is achieved through their principles, learning to be yourself, learning to do, learning to think, and learning to live together. They're great core objectives, aren't they? And it ensures that all students have the skills, knowledge, and attributes that would be expected after 13 years of schooling. 
so that their personal growth enables them to have the capacity to participate as responsible and productive citizens in a global community. I am going to shoot some facts and figures at you now. The ICSIA value of this school is 1045 which means on the whole the parents are wealthier than average. But this does not mean that there is not a very representative social spread in the school community. There are 25% of the students from very wealthy backgrounds, 55% from the middle income levels and 20% from the lowest 25, 25th quartile. There are 26% of children from homes that do not speak English as a first language and 1% are Indigenous students. Their finances are very interesting. The Australian government only provides $4.1 million. The state provides the bulk of the funding, namely $16.4 million, but parents and private contributors provide $3.5 million. That's a this lot of money. Is yes. a lot of money. Yes. yes, it is. That means that it costs $14,000 to educate a student at this school. Um, the $3.5 million, yeah, it is. And the $3.5 million in parent contributions, however, indicates that neither the state nor the federal government are providing sufficient funding. And I'd say that some of that's going towards that absolutely fabulous music program. Yes, yes, yeah. 100%, which the government should be funding. The arts should be funded, fully funded from an educational level. In the last three years, the school has spent $7.1 million in capital funding. So this is a very good public secondary school in which parents and teachers are doing an extraordinary, extraordinarily good job. Minimal public funding. Congratulations to all concerned. Yes, congratulations, Ringwood Secondary College. You are our great state school of the week. And it looks like we've come to the end of our time for this afternoon, Jean. Yes, and uh, we'll sign off, Dale and Maddie and Sorrel. Thank you for all your help this afternoon. And uh, we hope that you'll have a look at our website at www.adogs.info and be back with us at this time next Saturday. Bye for now.
You're ten years dead. I never died, says he.